podcast welcome to the media morgue where movies come to be examined i am Mm -hmm. your sit-in host wes anderson's tweed jacket and Uh, i'm joined by (laughs) i'm a silly little french terrorist and i'm shaquille o'neal in the 1997 film uh steel (laughs) <laughs> that's so specific um welcome to our fun silly podcast so where we review uh, movies. justin and zach uh are tied up watching hawkeye just binging yeah. hawkeye mm-hmm. over and over on repeat mm-hmm. so they couldn't be here so the monkeys are at the controls yeah. uh and we are joined we are joined by a guest i'm charlie Dallancourt. Uh, we're very excited to have Charlie here. Today we're going to be discussing yeah. uh, the French Dispatch, and then we're going to be discussing Nocturne, yeah. the 2016 film about uh, being French and also being a terrorist. Mm-hmm. But before the reviews, let's get into the news. Dan, let's just do Spider Man first. Want to do Spider Man first? Yeah, we, let's I, do I Spider Talk. To, let's do some Spider Talk. Chat, so, know? so this Charlie, is a, a Char- segment, a regular uh, segment <laughs> on the media more. We talk about Spider Man news. So go ahead, Charlie. Week. Yeah, what, what's that? What, there wasn't really much Spider Man stuff that came out this week, right? Like nothing, nothing right. at all. Yeah, but um, you know, just casually, there's just like one thing. Um, we had you know the new Into the Spider Verse trailer. No big deal. It came out. <laughs> Last yeah. night, as of recording, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I was I was having a um, <laughs> I was having a, a, a minor like panic attack yeah. because I was so excited because I saw it like we were I was watching Hawkeye with yeah. my family yeah, yeah. and then I saw it. You saw the Marvel night. I just a had a Marvel great evening. Marvel yeah, evening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I saw it had dropped, and then I was like, because my sister, we were watching it with my sister like on Facetime. Yeah. So I was like, okay, we're gonna you know watch it all this together too mm-hmm. and it took a while to a set up family reaction so i was literally like in the five minutes we were trying to set this thing up i was literally like shaking because i was so <laughs> we setting up a reaction video is that what you're doing? <laughs> like a, like well, a camera okay. on you and your <laughs> sister or like so 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 I, I had a similar thing. I was actually watching Nocturama, and I finished yeah. the movie, and I get up, and I check my phone, and every single human being I know had texted me with oh the trailer, gosh. because they were like, you loser, we know you love this movie. <laughs> uh, and so it's Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, part one, so it's a trilogy. I don't like that part It's one. a trilogy. It's a tri- so, so it's... it's I guess Into the Spider-Verse, Across the Spider-Verse, part one, Across the Spider-Verse, part two. Oh, okay. I guess the okay. template for... It's- respective Spider-Man continuities is that they do trilogies because mm-hmm. um, the Tom Holland shit is getting divided up into two separate trilogies which yeah. makes sense what I understand high school era and then college, college era, era and yeah. then and then uh, midlife crisis era and then... <laughs> but um, I don't know what do you guys think of this trailer it's I... cool <laughs> I mean I, I really like um, that one part feels like it's a bass drop in a song when the actual animation style mm-hmm. changes and mm-hmm. he's in 2099 and yeah. like mm-hmm. uh kind of shoots out of i don't know where he comes from but he, a he portal tackles him. he jumps out of a portal i like those uh highways stacked on top of one another mm-hmm. it was pretty yeah. cyberpunk and yeah. cool i like mm-hmm. that i'm excited for this spider-verse style in the cyberpunk world of miguel o'hara right i'm, I'm really excited for that i thought the promise of miguel o'hara in the in the mm-hmm. into spider-verse was so cool because it was kind of like 
I don't need an Into the Spider-Verse yeah. sequel. The fact that we're getting one is really cool. Like, mm-hmm. It's yeah. exciting. But just seeing him as a bumper at the mm-hmm. end of the, the last right. one, I was like, oh, that's another Spider-Man that I really like. And then they're delivering on it and having everyone's right. favorite father, Oscar Isaac, the play him. The perfect voice, honestly. Really the, good he, voice. It's yeah. surprising he's not doing more voice acting work. I mean, he's I apparently anything a, else off the top of my head. He's apparently a big comics fan. Like He loves yeah. mm-hmm. X-Men. He loves... Mm-hmm. Like it's very strange because he's such like a serious actor, but well, I guess in yeah. terms of like the the actors that like Disney and Sony and the big studios kind of shuffle around, mm-hmm. he's he's one of my favorites because uh, he just kind of doesn't really give a shit about the big fanboy franchises. Mm-hmm. Like, right. do you remember he was like, "I'll go back to Star Wars if I need another mansion, <laughs> if, if I need another like twenty houses." Well, make he, a had a, he had a terrible experience with Star Wars. I mean, I that think whole everyone experience did. was terrible. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. imagine mm-hmm. dealing with a fan base that toxic in um, every single thing you do. Imagine. Imagine like every interview you give, your soul is yeah. just slowly being sucked out of your body. <laughs> Harrison <laughs> Ford like became the crypt keeper. <laughs> they were dealing with it for decades. They they were like they were like Harrison, can you come back for um, Rise of Skywalker? <laughs> and he was like literally like I'm not even gonna shave. I'm just gonna walk onto set for this one day. Yeah, and you're gonna take it. Mm-hmm. And they did. I think he was the smartest out of everyone because he just chose beard. to die immediately yeah, yeah, yeah. before, like, shit could hit the fan. He wanted to die in uh, Empire, apparently. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, well, back to Spider-Man. Into the Spider-Verse beat uh, No Way Home. Is it far from it? It's, it's No Way Home. Yeah. To that pointing meme. Oh yeah, it, it, oh, which I'm other. sure will be in No Way Home. It, it absolutely where they jump out of the portal. Yeah. And they're yeah. Like, hey, absolutely will yeah. be. Yeah, um, uh, but Spider-Verse beat them to the. Bunch. You know what's? You know what's? Well, we were talking about this a little bit before, but the reason I know these Into the Spider-Verse movies are like taking No Way Home's lunch money yeah. is because No Way Home needs the promise of Toby and Andrew yes. in right. order to have people be really excited. I was just about to say. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they just Toby. be... Otherwise, they just... People would be like, oh, I guess it's the Sinister Sticks, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, the fact that we literally just see Miles, Gwen, and Spider-Man 2099, that's enough for us. We're just like, okay, mm-hmm. that's cool means that we we know the story's going to be good. It doesn't need any mm-hmm. real gimmicks. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's a thing that works better in animation than mm-hmm. it would in live action. Like they sure. have like the whole flashpoint thing that they're setting up mm-hmm. and then there's like, "Oh, that's Flash and that's Flash with a different hairstyle." Like, do I really care? You know what I mean? We're actually seeing um growth in Miles like physically that we mm. never yeah. got from Tom Holland. I I think the promise with Tom Holland was that when they cast him, he was like, "What?" 16, 17, something like that. He was like 19, I think. Well, he was tiny and kind of baby-faced, and the promise was, as the movies go on, he'll get taller and look more like a man, and now we're on, like, appearance... <laughs> now we're on, like, appearance number seven, and he looks more like a baby than, than ever before. See, but Miles Miles looks older now, and I, he's got a fade, and he looks good. I feel like it was a good strategy that they picked a man who looked like a baby forever, because yeah. it's like, oh, we can keep doing these we high school these movies, movies yeah. forever, and yeah. he's not gonna, like, look 30 instantly, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, Andrew Garfield, they had to push him out of high school in the second movie, because he, <laughs> he was, like, 27, and yeah. they were like, uh, Push Toby out of high school within it, the, first the first thirty half minutes. Hour. Yeah, <laughs> there's a great like running gag on the Weekly Planet uh, where they <laughs> they're like, these are just grown men mm-hmm. in, in uh, the Ravi Spider Man. That's movies. the main thing yeah. to point out about um, the first one. But no, I mean, I mean, what can you say about Spider Verse? Spider Verse looks amazing, and I yeah. they, the, the best thing about Spider Verse is they really 
know how to put those trailers together in mm-hmm. a way where it just gives you just enough. I remember the marketing campaign mm-hmm. for the first one was so yeah. smart. It gave you that great first teaser of, of Miles on the side of the building and jumping. Do you remember the after credit scene of Venom when it's it's that scene of them at yeah. the graveyard? Yeah. That was like the perfect teaser too. I'm, I'm a sucker for things that pick up, <laughs> what? I'm a sucker for things that pick up the moment um, the precursor like left off. Mm. So this starts the actual seconds by the verse uh, yeah. ends with Gwen coming through that portal. Yeah, yeah. which and do you think that's going to be in the actual movie or do you think that's just a thing no that idea. they put together? Because oh, I, I feel like I feel like if if it's the start, if that's the start of the movie, it's kind yeah, of a yeah. weird jump. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I feel like they have to explain like uh, how they've well, been talking to each other. Yeah, at least. Also, it doesn't really work because in the trailer, they've already made him look a bit older. I and think it, and it starts the moment Spider-Verse ends. I think mm. it might be that Spider-Verse, the they might retroactively say the ending of Spider-Verse takes place months after the rest of the movie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so we, okay. we might have an opening where, where Miles is doing a, we might have an opening sequence where it's like Miles is doing a Spider-Man thing, gets grounded because yeah, he yeah. comes home late right. and then okay. Gwen shows up. So you, you know what I mean? I don't think it's the actual moment that's been No, I, I, I think it's, Gwen's I think, just been visiting. I think they're going to say retroactively that that last moment in Spider-Verse it oh, takes okay. place later yeah. in the timeline. But his haircut changes. And maybe he's yeah. just he's like... Okay. A tape-up is easy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe he's just like multi-dimensional FaceTiming Gwen. Hey. You know? he, looks, yeah. he looks real excited to see her for the first time. Also, mm-hmm. like... I I I only I'm only engaging in this level of nerd dumb because you guys are here. Because it's, uh, it's, it's so special. weird that Gwen Stacy, a character that no one cared about yeah, yeah, yeah. for mm-hmm. about forty years, yeah, well, if is you now recall, like the number three Spider-Man character. When they right. resurrected Gwen Stacy, people hated that. They did, and, and they, a lot of hardcore fans still hate. They that. were like, "She's a clone." So they just someone, some genius at Marvel, who's not getting paid at all. <laughs> Literally, she for years she was Peter Parker's dead girlfriend, yeah, yeah. and yeah. now she is Spider Man. Remember that anymore? <laughs> Literally, I think I, I, I think to people who are just getting into the actual like expanded lore, it's going to be weird to, to yeah. think like, okay, she dies, and then somewhere along the line, some obscure like comic storyline, she's back as like a mainline web slinger. Like, well, it's right. really weird. Um, no, it's, it's very strange. It's very, very strange. But I mean, like, I'm not gonna, like, it's a, it's great. Great for Haley Steinfeld getting two Marvel checks. Oscar Isaac getting two Marvel checks. Yeah. It's, it's a good, 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 good on them. Who do you guys think uh, the villain will be on this? I, I, I heard it. Yeah. I heard the theory that it might be, um, not Morbius, the living vampire who Jared Leto, the greatest actor who ever lived is playing. Was it not going to be Miguel O'Hara? It's probably a fake out, right? I think it's a fake out. I think it might be the actual villain of the Spider-Verse comics, which is like a vampiric mm. Spider-Man hunter. I think his name is yeah. Mobius. What Spider-Man do you think we're going to get in this one? I know we're getting Japanese Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. We're getting Issa Rae as Spider-Woman. What? Yes. I'm. That's perfect. Uh, I don't know. Who would you guys want to see in a perfect Isn't world? Is Spider-Woman not related at all to Spider-Man? You bet. Like her power set is completely Well, in different. Ultimate Spider-Man she is, so they might use that version. Okay. Mm. But for decades, that was yeah. just like a completely unrelated. You know, character. dude. So weird. You know, never crossed Moreland, not Morbius. Moreland is, is the villain of Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, is there a Spider-Man version you guys would want to see ideally? Uh, Spider-Man with uh, six hands. <laughs> this is the one. I, I think um, this might actually, since they expect us to accept the fact that all of these continuities are crossing over, I, I think there may be some Easter eggs in there with like Andrew and Toby, yeah. potentially Tom. I I, uh, I I don't want that. I, I don't either. People honestly, have talked about either. that, yeah. like you know, blending in, like, oh wow, it's Tom Holland, but like 
I, I don't want that. Well, the Tom, Tom I care the least about. Yeah. I, do. I, I, do I like well. Andrew. I, I wonder, I wonder if that wasn't a plan before the MCU looked at this movie uh, at the first one and decided to poach the plot. Literally. Um, yeah. I, I'm sure that would, was that in the cards. That is absolutely what happened. I mean, at the end of the second one, they introduced J.K. Simmons as though they weren't going to do a multiverse thing. I think, mm. I think the original plan was, and this is just speculation based on the fact that Craven was on in the cards for the third yeah, one, yeah. and mm. then they cleared the deck with Craven. Uh, I think it may have been Craven and Chameleon. Which are like poor brothers in the comics. That would have been so dope. That would have been really cool. Because you would have had Craven hunting Tom and then Chameleon really pretending to be Spider Man. It, it would have, have been, been really hard to get excited for another solo with Tom. Uh, that's I fair. That, I mean, that's probably what they said at the I Disney offices. I was excited for the mm. one that came after Endgame. I forget what it was even called. Far from Home. Far from Home. I think Homecoming that, is the strongest of the three so far. No, the home stuff those is. titles are too similar. Because Homecoming, like I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is like his Homecoming <laughs> yeah. back yeah, yeah, at yeah, Disney. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, that's cute. It and also then, has like a, a flow to it, Spider-Man Homecoming. Right, yeah. you know? And then they just chose that as a motif. And it's I just like, that. why are we doing this? Why would you not do uh, just moments in a high schooler's life? Like Literally. Spider-Man not Spider-Man prom, but like Spider-Man graduation, Spider-Man... Spider-Man graduation day would have sounded really cool. It would have sounded... Yeah. I mean, they're doing Spider-Man freshman day. year for the <laughs> animated prequel of it. Yeah. Right. That's okay. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, to answer my own question, I want to see uh, Man of Spiders, this the sentient yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 5,000 spiders that believes... Spiders. Each believes individually <laughs> that they're Peter Parker. <laughs> that's awesome. That is such It is work. literally... It's literally... I swear, it's literally a four... It's 400 spiders. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my that, God. I thought it was like 5,000. Yeah, it's like that are yeah. like a hive mind, and they all... Yeah. Each spider believes they're Peter Parker. I was reading a little <laughs> So, uh... uh speak, this is a segue I was going to use yeah. a minute ago, but speaking of direct uh <laughs> direct continuations that is such a weak segue uh texas chainsaw massacre yes okay what are we fucking f- okay so you haven't watched it i'm, I'm, I'm pulling it up it. i'm taking it up right now you're gonna get a live response Anna, okay this is a reaction video yeah podcast okay okay hmm in 1974. But did you notice it's the house from the original? I did. In the establishment show? I, I wish I wish horror movies would stop. Uh, is this a Netflix this movie? Cool. Oh wow! Is this gonna be a Netflix movie? I don't Man. know if it's an exclusive or not. I have no idea. A Netflix movie. Netflix, Netflix uh, is gonna take over the world. I hope so. He's pulling. He's pulling the chainsaw out of the wall. It's the OG chainsaw from he's the first one. It. It's Gunnar Hansen's chainsaw, which means that it's been in storage the yellow, for forty uh, years. Handle. Yeah. Wow, that black guy's super gonna die. Mm. Mm. It looks like he's dying in that shot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a beautiful young woman. Wow. Oh wow, chainsaw. Hey, yay! Oh. Hey. Wow, that's Coming cool. Yeah, that looks good. It's cool. You know what's weird about this? I like the title card. You know what's weird about this uh, trailer is that when this movie was announced, the the selling point was they were using the original lenses. Yes. yes. And they were 70s like, and they were like, this is going to look like mm. a '70s movie. Yeah, yeah. And I, this looks like it was shot on a, a digital I don't, uh, y- y- camera. Like the new Halloween's, I know what they do is they use Cinegrain mm-hmm. to make it kind of mimic the look of like a 70s movie. I the, don't know if that's what they're doing here, but it, the lenses I think work. I only, think visually it looks pretty good. The only um, parts of those Halloween movies that look like Halloween movies is the flashback. The 1978 yeah, stuff. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, Charlie, since you're the guest, we, we, we talk this to death on every podcast, but what are your opinions on this trend in movies right now, which is like 
Star Especially Wars did it. Horror. Star Wars did it. Uh, Halloween did it. Um, where they're they're doing a reboot mm-hmm. that oh, okay. goes back to the original formula. So like yeah. Force Awakens yeah, yeah. is essentially a remake yeah. of New mm-hmm. Hope. Yeah, I feel like I mean it's a mixed bag, right? Because sometimes they do it well yeah. and mm-hmm. like you know we we get rid of all of like the fluff and like all the bad sequels and whatever mm-hmm. but sometimes what's the retconning lately yeah but sometimes in the case of star wars like you just make <laughs> the original canon worse yeah. you know yeah. yeah um so it really depends on how well you pull it off i i kind of prefer that they're doing it this way mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. now we can kind of Things feel sort of right, and there's magic that happens with the original movies. But mm. like, we were stuck with the remakes for a long time. Yeah, I, I kind of wish. Well, I wish the, the remake trend never happened. But if it were to happen, I kind of wish it had happened. Like, like if we had switched the reboot trend with the with the remake trend, and like these yeah. actors were a little bit younger playing mm. these characters again. Uh, you know see, what I mean? Yeah. Like Jamie Lee Curtis was a little too old to right. come back as Laurie. Yeah, Bruce Campbell's a little too old to come back as Ash. I mean, yeah. they did remakes first, and then they go back to the original timelines. Well, and it's a bit too late. It's because one leads into the other. It's yeah. because they and I think honestly, and Leatherface should not be fucking alive. <laughs> He's like twenty in the original. Yeah, I mean, if we're being generous. I mean, right? yeah. I mean, I I, I think I think it, one has to lead into the other, and I think. Yeah. Star Wars really is the John the Baptist of these movies in both cases. <laughs> well, I, I would argue what's going on with like the big horror franchises is kind of in a league of its own, right? Because mm-hmm. they're be. mimicking each other. They this are. is mimicking Halloween and Scream is mimicking what Halloween did. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, it, it feels weird. And I think the reason why it doesn't quite work most of the time, and I'm trying, I'm actually racking my brain to think of a, 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 a time when it has worked mm. like really well. Yeah. Coming back decades Creed. later. Creed. Oh, yeah, you're yeah, absolutely yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. Creed, Creed is Creed is ab- but Creed. I think Ash vs. Evil Dead worked pretty. well. You really like that? I have to watch that. Yeah. But I think Creed is a great example of it, especially because Creed isn't attempting to be Rocky. Mm-hmm. Creed is just kind of taking Rocky's tone, yeah, right, and like like brushing over the stuff that no one cares about, like the robot and right. the weird stuff in Rocky, robot. and just. There's a robot in Rocky Four. Oh, <laughs> I don't. I'm sorry. Um, okay. I think Creed's a great example of it. I have a good one. Yeah, because it modernizes it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think that if you can capture the spirit of the original, but do things that—that's what it's about. Yeah, it's about atmosphere. Yeah, atmosphere is really important. I, I think this vaguely kind of—I mean, we always talk about how horror movies look too clean. Yeah. And with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you have to be dirty. I mean, I mean TCM 3D is a really clean-looking movie. But mm-hmm. this this looks kind of dark and, and, you know, grungy. And, like, it, it'll mm-hmm. maybe make you feel like you need to take a shower, which <laughs> the original excels in. So we'll see. Well, we will we will see. That's um, literally all there is to say about it. I, I, <laughs> it's a very short trailer. <laughs> the last thing I, I guess we'll, we can we can bring up here, just, I guess, going back to, to Spider News, is literally an hour before we turned on these mics, uh, the entire score <laughs> for, for No Way Home just leaked to the really interwebs. Someone at Sony is getting beaten with a rod. Yeah. yeah. Just getting yeah, waterboarded yeah. by Kevin Feige. <laughs> Justin, <laughs> said, Justin said last night, well, what if Toby's not in it? I've watched a scene of him talking to Andrew Garfield <laughs> on, on the blue screen set, like on that construction yard set. And Andrew Garfield, uh, is his phone rings every once in a while and he answers it. It's just Kevin Feige breathing on the other yeah. end. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Honestly, I feel so bad for Kevin Feige at this point because he's been I like don't. stuck with all of this Sony mess literally yeah. since like before Spider-Man was in Marvel, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. what i mean 
So I feel like he tried to make something happen, and then everything just. Do, do you think that? Um, do you think? And this is a, this is this is my major question. Do you think that Tom Holland is going to continue to be Spider-Man in the MCU post this movie? Yeah, of course. Yeah. He already signed a contract. Did he sign a contract yeah, already? Yeah, for, for three more movies. Oh, my God. Mm. Kevin Feige kind of just had, like, a template going in. Yeah. I, I mean, people act like it was so brilliant to do, like, a Marvel Cinematic Universe. But think about it. It he was had pretty all, good he had, business. Movie, he had right? all this intertextuality to kind of depend on. Mm. I mean, decades worth of it. Mm-hmm. And he just, I mean, well, have you seen, any, anyone could have kind of have been you seen his, shepherd for that. Have you seen his notes on Amazing Spider-Man 2? That leaked with the yeah, Sony yeah. emails where he has. Yeah, he's, he, was he a said people were. Yeah. T- he said people were too fashionable. Yeah, I I don't know. I <laughs> I mean, I think Kevin Feige certainly is pro- is probably is probably a really good businessman in, mm-hmm. in in the room. I mean, he has a yes. There's a lot of intertextuality, but the way he's been able to handle with his team of producers all of these films and sure. make them feel uniformed, which we can quibble about whether or not that's good. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but make them feel of a piece. I mean, that's good producing. Like, sure. you know yeah. what I mean? Everyone's on the same page, yeah. And then, you know, like, it's not just that he was, you know, able to do this thing that there was groundwork to do, but, like, he was the first person to really pull that off well. Mm-hmm. You know, because sure. DC could have done that, like... They really could have. ...for forever yeah. ago, you know? And they... And, they, I, and I, um, I won- George Miller was going to do Justice League. He, George Miller was going to do Justice League. really fucking cool. And, but you know what? Mm. We may, may... We maybe would have never gotten Mad Max Fury Road, so... <laughs> it all we would have... Brandon Ralph was supposed to be in the Green Lantern sequel. Yeah, yeah. Like, there were many times where DC attempted to do a shared universe, and then DC's just not good at making mm. movies. Yeah, they're I, just I, not I can good kind at of, it. I can kind of respect the approach that they had at first, though. Cause, yeah, because the Kevin Feige thing is really safe. I mean, he makes all those movies look really uniform. Uh, none of them really have like a directorial stamp, aside from a few, you know, yeah. notable outliers but uh yeah i mean i don't know i'm i'm he's made great decisions and really bad ones i think i think he the the true question of what of his prowess not that he has to prove anything to three podcasters uh (laughs) but i think the true test will be how he handles x-men because (laughs) because x-men most of those movies are bad and if he can find a way to make them work in 2023 24 whenever he does it then I mean, I got some bad sick. news for you, man. They're all gonna be canon, all of them. They're all gonna be canon. Stop! Don't say that. I, I they will all be canon. I don't want that. It'll, it'll just be that they merge in Doctor stop, Strange. Stop! 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 No, stop, stop, no. Stop, stop, stop. They already confirmed that. It all, I need, it all leaked. I need you to nope. stop. Mm-mm. James McAvoy and Stop. Fastbender. I don't mind McAvoy like and Fastbender. They all Fassbender. fight uh, Scarlet Witch. I don't. Want, yeah, but maybe she kills them. I don't think they're gonna. I don't. I don't think they're gonna finally do a crossover and then just have them die. I super just though. want her to kill them. I would like that. I wonder. I, I wouldn't not be into that. I wonder if that crossover is dependent on how well this crossover does. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's already in the cards because didn't Raimi shoot all of it? Already? Yeah, no, but he shot the sequence of her traveling to the Fox first. We don't know what happens with. There. I also I hate that Marvel is doing this multiverse stuff before all this they shit fully is into the MCU. Now. I, but I I hate that they they're doing this multiverse. Crossover before they fully get a roster of characters sure. in their universe because mm. when the X-Men inevitably show up yeah. we're going to go oh those are just copies of the guys that Scarlet Witch clapped in the last <laughs> movie like wait y- y- you mean that she's going to fight the multiverse X-Men and then the MCU is going to come up with their own X-Men I think so 
Hmm. Okay, that's, that's or or they'll do a team of X Men of smaller, lesser known X Men. Yeah, I think they're well, okay. Well, that probably will happen. That that they're going to introduce. They'll do a new going to be a brand team. new team. Yeah, it'll but, be like some stuff. But I, I, I think McAvoy and Fassbender are going to be canon to whatever they're doing. <sighs> the MCU used to be really streamlined and beginning yeah. with like two years ago, like all this like messy shit is canon. I can't because mm. you would have had to have seen the X Men's um, to get what WandaVision did with that bait and switch. Yeah. You know, you would you would have had to. But I feel like that was movies. more a fun Easter egg. You know, it's like sure. a thing that you can kind of do it was a on stinger. a TV show. It was yeah. a stinger, and so we were like, "Oh shit!" It's they're doing the multiverse stuff now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dang. Well. Messy. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, now that we've completely uh, just licked, licked the bone clean the <laughs> on, the, on the MCU, let's get into the French Dispatch after this break. Ho, ho, ho. Welcome back to the, v- the Media Morgue. Some shrimp Ooh. on the barbie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We try we try to do these voices that accord with the movie. We're doing right. it every time. And we just... We have two French... Well, we're, okay. This one is a, is a French for, fake. We're all mm. for five. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, we're talking about the French Dispatch, the 2021 movie by Wes Anderson. Mr. Mm. Anderson. Uh, hey. It hey. stars uh, Timothy Chalamet, Jeffrey mm-hmm. Wright... Uh, Francis McDormand, Benicio del Toro, yeah, yeah. Leah uh, every white person you've ever met uh-huh. right, is in this movie. Right. Really full All the prestige yeah. white people. <laughs> Adrian Brody. High end white people. When I saw Adrian Brody, I knew what we were in for yeah, some yeah, yeah. prestige white people stuff. Mm. Uh, Bill Murray, obviously, he's a yeah. big one. Elizabeth mm. Moss. Uh, what'd you guys think of this movie? Bill Murray's uh, in all of his shit. He's, he's his yeah. favorite Bill, white guy. Bill Murray is, is that generation of filmmakers' favorite white guy. Yeah. Um, Charlie, what'd you think? I was not a big fan. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, yes, <laughs> this sucks too. I was I was gonna bring on. Um, I expected this would happen. So I, was, I was gonna bring on a guest to, to even the uh, to even it too out. Too late. Bit, yeah, it's okay. Go ahead, Charlie. I think like the big overarching idea that I have with it is that like it was. I mean, I think it's still worth seeing if you feel up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just more focused on aesthetics yeah. than anything else, which. Yeah. Like, usually works in Wes Anderson movies, mm-hmm. but, like, I feel like the aesthetics usually have a purpose or, like, some mm-hmm. kind of meaning. Mm-hmm. And even, like, the weird, like, long monologue yeah, things yeah. he does usually have meaning to mm-hmm. them. Sure. But I feel like in this one, it was just kind of all over the place and really self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, he just lost me, and I was like, wow, this is very long. He's yeah. been self-indulgent since, uh, I would say, The Life Aquatic. Yeah. That, that was the first one where it was really just like, yeah. I don't, I don't really know how to how to pin down that style because here's something that I got to give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is hard to replicate that style. Oh, absolutely. He is very technically precise, mm-hmm. um, and his shots all, I mean, look good. There never is like an insert that doesn't mm-hmm. look good. Yeah. Even his inserts are top down mm-hmm. and they're kind of, you know, meticulously designed and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, here's where I am on it. Yeah. I think. When you do an anthology piece, you're always going to kind of risk having solid characters that kind of keep mm-hmm. us, you know, engaged the whole time. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Anthologies don't really have that privilege. So, I mean, his style was always going to be what runs rampant over the whole thing because mm-hmm. we don't have a narrative through line. Um, 
I know I was just like kind of shitting on the Life Aquatic, but that actually, that and Bottle Rocket are my favorites hmm. uh, because I think they have pretty solid characters and the, the, the actual plot lines are pretty endearing. Um, he, he has ones that I, I really don't like that people seem to love. Like I hate the Royal Tenenbaums. I thought you were about to say something crazy. What? I thought you were going to be like, I hate Fantastic Mr. Fox. Oh no, that one's fine. Okay, I haven't seen it in a while. I was like, I haven't seen it in a while. So you like that? Uh, one. That's yeah. my favorite okay. movie by him. Same. By okay. by a country mile. Um, yeah. I think the Royal Tenenbaums is fucking terrible. I've I mean, seen it. I maybe seen that's it. harsh. I haven't seen it in a uh, while. I'll but keep it a buck fifty really with overrated. you, Dan. I've only seen Fantastic Mr. Fox, uh, Grand Budapest, uh, the one about camp. I love that one. Grand, yeah, that one's yeah. really good. And then this one. Moonrise Kingdom is very endearing. Um, yeah. My favorites are Moonrise Kingdom, The Life Aquatic, and Bottle Rocket. Interesting. Mm. I know a lot. Of and people, then Rushmore. A lot of people love Bottle Rocket. Bottle Rocket's um, great. Real fast before we get into spoilers, uh, I feel a similar way to Charlie. I really, I don't know, it, because it's essentially three short films put together. Mm-hmm. There are times in certain ones where I was really engaged. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we'd shuffle over to another short, and I'd be like, "Whatever." I think the Benicio um, del Toro one is my favorite. That one's fun. The mm. one with Tim Chalamet is the, the one, weak t- one. The oh, one with yeah, Tim Chalamet is just, and it's so long. Yeah. yeah. And it sits right in the middle of the movie. Right. And it has a weird relationship with Timothy Chalamet and Francis McDormand. Yeah. Uh, and then Timothy Chalamet super dies. Uh, <laughs> well, spoiler alert. We didn't. Oh, yes. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't uh, spoiler alert. Anymore. Now we're getting into spoilers. Uh, this is what happens when Justin isn't here. Um, uh, and then, and then, and then the, the Jeffrey the Wright, the Jeffrey okay. Wright, James oh, Baldwin you know what? one. That one's probably the, best. The, the James Baldwin one is, we're just going to, I mean, I don't even know. Yeah. Roebuck Wright, whatever. It's James Baldwin. Yeah. Uh, the James Baldwin one is interesting conceptually to me, but it starts to get into this weird place where it's no longer about Jeffrey Wright, and I just stop caring. It's just—it's it, so much talking, and it's yeah. so boring. Like, <laughs> they're, they're direct adaptations of these um, New York Times expatriate uh, New, like, New Yorker. Uh, what the fuck is that called? Like an op-ed? So feature, an op-ed okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So it's direct it, adaptations. It, yeah, of isn't it like the yeah. whole film is supposed to feel like a New Yorker? A New, New York paper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're reading. And, and, and it. At points, that starts was at the travel of, section. That was kind of where it was my downfall because <laughs> it really felt. Especially that last one. It really like felt like I was listening it. to an audiobook yeah. on yeah. two yeah, times yeah, yeah. speed. Sure. And it was just like, I I don't know what's happening here. I, you know? I liked that chiefly because it was unique. I, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen another movie that tried to mimic the experience of like reading a magazine. Or yeah. Like yeah. Reading, oh, you know, well, I mean, there's like Creepshow, which yeah. mimics the experience of like reading a horror comic in the 80s. Yes. But that's, that's like arbitrary. Well, but but I, there were times where I enjoyed it on like a purely like cold aesthetic level, sure. right? Like there were there were moments like where Jeffrey Wright is, we're toggling between him doing like a, a Dick Cavett-esque interview uh, and then we keep toggling back to his, his I really experience. Liked that. My and favorite then, line in the movie comes from, from, uh, from that, the James Baldwin. When he's, when he's on that um, talk show with Lev Schreiber, yeah. that he's, Lev <laughs> it Shriver. doesn't matter. Sabretooth. Um, yes, uh, and he says, um, who, what, when, where, all valid questions, but one must never ask a man why. Clouds of the mind, you see. Self-reflection is a vice best conducted in private or not at all. I liked that line a lot. It, it's, it's very strange seeing Wes Anderson write James Baldwin. Yeah. It's very strange because mm. Wes Anderson seems like he's in a different universe than James Baldwin. <laughs> like I, Definitely, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and the fact that he puts him as the centerpiece in his third story 
I was watching it and I was like, I didn't even know Wes Anderson knew black people existed. Yeah. Like, like, like. Outside of Danny Glover. Yeah, it's yeah. so strange. Uh, I don't know. I feel, I, I, I guess we could go uh, not quite structured, but just kind of hit through the three major yeah. ones. The first one is an interesting idea, I think. Mm-hmm. And I like, it, it certainly feels like the lightest of the three. Mm-hmm. Like it kind of feels like cotton score. candy. Yeah. Yeah. You say cotton candy. Yeah, it kind of feels like cotton candy. Okay. Um, I would say that about the Francis McDormand one. Well, actually, before that one, mm-hmm. uh, there's like the bicycle, like little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. The travel section. Yeah, and I that, thought was, that was really cute. That was my favorite of all of this. Oh, really? Wilson is yeah. so likable. Oh, like, wow. like how, how can you not enjoy just hearing him talk? Wow. And, yeah. Wow. Walk around with a bag gather whatever he has. Because <laughs> I feel like that was like a good opener to all the yeah, stories, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then it also was really short and concise, mm-hmm. and I felt like. You know, because we were talking about how they all feel like things that you're reading. Yeah, it, it gears you, it gears you up because it's right. the travel section. Yeah. It's short and sweet. Yeah, and I feel like that one felt the best because yeah. it was quirky in a way that felt purposeful. Yeah, and then like uh, it was like the least deep of all of them, but actually I felt like it was the one uh-huh. with the most meaning because it talks about gentrification, mm-hmm. talks about how like the city's changing and all that stuff, yeah. mm-hmm. and um, it was like bright, colorful, all that. It was great. So I feel like. And it was the only one, if as far as I can remember, <laughs> that didn't have like w- at least one thing in it that was problematic that made me like mm-hmm. feel really weird about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it has a great sight. Which gag. the rest of the movies, the uh, movies do. Just filled yeah. with that. Just filled. <laughs> with There's just... one great sight gag where he's riding the bike and he goes behind like a mailbox yes. or something, and and the bike stops because someone must have been hiding behind the mailbox, and the camera keeps going <laughs> while he had been like thrown off the bike and like yeah. you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that. I love that gag. I, I I feel like the older I get, the more I appreciate Owen Wilson. I think when I was a Love kid, him. I was like, "There's just this weird blonde man." For, for some reason, it was like it was like cool to like hate on Owen Wilson but when we were. He's younger. like he's like like surprisingly like a good actor. He's yeah. the best. Yeah, I, I hate that it's Loki that made me realize he's a good right. actor. Same. But I was watching it. I was like, "This is like he's not doing the Owen Wilson thing. He's like acting." Yeah, I, I just feel like he's been in more compelling things as his career has gone mm-hmm. on, which is you know. Like a lot easier sure. to do yeah. when you just have the money to choose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, what was her name from The Big Bang Theory? Who's in Harley Quinn? Oh, uh, Kaylee Cuckoo. Kaylee yeah, Cuckoo? yeah. So I like she has like a huge bag. Like she doesn't have yeah, to yeah. just do whatever. So like now she can choose like to be in something that's weird, like mm-hmm. Harley Quinn, and like she has something to give to it. You know what I mean? I do find it endearing that they were just like college buddies, and, and Bottle Rocket was the first. Yeah. They co-wrote Bottle Rocket, and he was the lead, and um, very small budget, and it was, you know, it wasn't like a crazy success, but it had, like, yeah. you know, its cult following, and yeah. that kind of, their, their careers, I mean, launched together. I, I find yeah. it endearing that they're still working that they're together. So, I, it, yeah. it, 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 a lot of directing teams, or directing actor teams, yeah. break apart after they, they go into superstardom, yes. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I know um, Denzel and Spike Lee had a, Apparently had a giant falling out at some point. Oh man! And they uh-huh. and they apparently have patched it up, but it was significant enough that Denzel didn't appear in Five Bloods, which yeah, he was supposed yeah. to. So so often those teams break up, and it's and you can tell when they're like seven movies deep, and the actor and director just get each mm-hmm. other. And I think that might be what you're feeling, Charlie. Is that like, yeah. there's just a sync. They're, they're in sync in a way right. that some of the other actors who are like first time Wes Anderson sure, people sure. kind of don't feel quite. 
Yeah. Or the, yeah. I think Frances McDormand feels like she's in place. But with, with like Timothy Chalamet, it's We'll get like, to it. We'll get to it. Mm-hmm. We'll get to where it. are we right now? I think we're... We're talk- just wrapping up the travel section. Yeah. Do you okay. guys have any other thoughts on that? No. I, it was pretty. It was nice. It was very yeah. pretty. I like I like the, the split screen stuff they do. I like the cats. Uh, the, the Benicio cats, Del Toro yeah. one. On the roof. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah. So here's my major problem with the Benicio Del Toro one. Other than the weird... You're sleeping with the guard. That is right. uh, morally just. I I do think it's really funny how how like he's painting her and then she gets down and they do the thing where they walk in. He comes out in a yeah. straight jacket and yeah. she comes out in the prison guard uniform. Yeah. That was yeah. really funny. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, my issue with that one is, I just I don't ultimately know what the point of it is, and I know it's right. it's it's a. It's a feature, so they're just yeah. telling about someone's life, and then that's the end of the feature, and you wouldn't like finish a feature in the Times and go, well, what's the point of that? But I do yeah, kind of yeah, need, yeah. because it is a film, yeah. for me to ultimately leave going, okay, that's what the filmmaker wanted me to get out of it. Right, yeah. And I, I feel like even in the Times, like there would be a point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially now. But um, I think that's my overarching problem with the movie, mm-hmm. is that like usually with an anthology, you're getting like a bunch of different directors in, sure. and mm-hmm. they're all telling their own individual stories, yeah. so there's mm-hmm. not usually... like this sense of cohesion mm. but like i felt like there was an opportunity with this because it's a singular vision to like you know at least have a thesis for the entire yeah. movie you know what i mean um and i felt like a lot of the stories didn't really have something that you could take away from it with meaning it just kind of like e- yeah was a thing that happened i think the first two major segments kind of have a running motif of martyrs i mean he, mm. del toro you know his character is kind of a martyr in the art world and in chalamet is like a, a martyr to the what does she say the um young and i wish i could remember exact quotes it's a great line can't remember the line forget it uh but you know there's that running motif of martyr dumb and then the mm-hmm. third one kind of just throws that out the window yeah um so yeah, I, I mean, I don't really know what the point is either of that segment. Yeah, uh, it's nice though. It's, it's funny. It's it, there's 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 like some funny gags about like that art. Uh, mm-hmm. Art is only is uh, only matters as much as rich people say it matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. which is a funny little social thing. Like where he goes in, and he's like, I don't like this either, but people with taste like this. Yeah. Sure, it's it's gonna matter. Um, that's interesting. Uh, that's the one with Tony Revolori, who's a who's a uh, one of Wes Anderson's guys. I like um, when he's at the uh, the bar yeah. and um, the camera goes down and that spotlight goes yeah. on him and he goes, and he starts like, getting angry. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It's a funny yeah. shot. Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. That that That's the one that felt the most slight to me. Um, mm-hmm, like it, it, sure. it kind of felt like the least dense. Yeah. Um, the big, I guess we can move into the Timothy Chalamet and Flames from Dorman one. Well, just really quick yeah. before we do that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my problem with it, let's just do the problematic corner in each of these. My problem with that is like the way it sort of depicts mental health because oh, okay. yeah, yeah. it yeah. views like, it basically says, you know, oh, he was violent because he's mentally ill or whatever. Yeah. And like people with mental illness like are not usually violent. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that just felt bad to me and like it sort yeah. of felt like it also romanticized mental illness yes, in a way definitely with yeah. like definitely. oh he's this crazy artist whatever do, do you think that's kind of, i mean i'm sure it'll be giving the movie a lot of credit but do you think that's kind of commentary on how people view the tortured artist from the get-go because people always i mean maybe this is just my experience but people always talk about kurt cobain killing himself as though it's this like cool thing right you know it's yeah. like suicide is badass that right. kind of thing you or, know? Or, or destroying your body yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Basquiat's having a moment with that where he's getting romanticized yes. uh, for, for his his uh, addiction. Um, yeah. 
Kanye. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what you think, Charlie. I it feels to me like it it falls too deep into the trap of of sensationalizing it to be a, a criticism with any teeth in it. Yeah, yeah, that was my problem with it. I I I feel like it was just doing the trope. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? At that point, mm-hmm. I um, would say that the central theme is. S- sensationalism though it might I mean be. that's what they're doing could be the mm. art critics and stuff yeah. yeah I felt like that one actually that one had the most like concise meaning of all of them yeah. because like you know it's talking about like I don't know it, it just felt like it's talking about it's making commentary on the art yeah. world mm-hmm. and um, critics and detractors care about a story and mm-hmm. not so much a person's experience the experience of the artist they care right. about the idea of the artist yeah, yeah exactly the aloof crazy artist yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, I don't know if there's. I don't know. I I I I'm actually thinking through and trying to think of anything else that that I could <laughs> okay. latch onto with that. No, no. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I really am trying to think about it because that was such a good point that you made, Charlie. Um, if there's nothing else you guys have, we can move on to the next one. I feel good to do that. Cool, yeah, cool. Uh, so the the big one, the one that they, I feel like they marketed the movie on. Was the Chalamet McDormand yeah, yeah. one? Right, he's uh, hot right now. About uh, it came out the same day as Dune, yes. so it was a real Chalamet. Yeah. Oh, wow. He he posted something on IG where it was like where he was like when you go to see a movie and you're in every movie and he was like doing like a squat and oh, the gosh. posters were. Oh boy, the... I would never want to meet Timothy Chalamet. No, he seems <laughs> <a douche. laughs> So uh, by the way, the last one, the the the, 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 del, the del Toro section is called the Concrete Masterpiece, and this one yeah. is called Revisions to a Manifesto. Right. Um. This one's weird. Uh, this one's weird. Uh, I know you liked this one-ish, Dan. Did I? I feel like you liked this one-ish. I think I like it the least of the three. Really? But um, it's fine. I mean, it's whatever. <laughs> it's the longest one. Yeah. I, I believe it. I mean, it drags. It's, um, you know, Timothy Chalamet is a student revolutionary-ish. Yeah. yeah. But he's like... I thought when I went in, I was like, "Are they going to do like the Algerian War?" Right, no, right. they didn't. Uh, <laughs> I told you that they wouldn't. I was like, "Oh, they're going to do Algiers." The student uh, no. revolts. Just student revolts. Yeah. What do yeah. you think, Charlie? So uh, on episode two of Charlie's Problematic Corner, <laughs> <laughs> boy oh boy, uh, I did not. I was was not there something problematic in in this one? Yeah, you know, just. It was it isn't that bad. Just a grown woman sleeping with I, a I have a general question. Yeah. There's there's a little vignette smack dab in the middle of this about these it's like on a it's like a stage play. It's these boys <laughs> yes. and they're and they they're like in bunk beds and they're talking about like what they're gonna do with their yeah. lives and the one the it's the kid from uh is it the kid? It's that Netflix thing. I thought it was the kid from JoJo. Right? I forget what it's called, but he jumps out of a window and kills himself. We're gonna have it's, to put a kinda, giant kinda, trigger it's warning. It's kind of haunting. This, yeah, yeah, it's kind of haunting. The, the kid looks out the window and goes, "He's still not moving. He's still not moving." And the lights start to. And, yeah. and like that was good. That was haunting. But I don't know what the fucking point of that was at all. Was, Maybe my memory is bad, but I, I I don't know what it had to do with the rest of that. Thing. Yeah, I don't know either because I was like, is this like that kid's experience? you know, going off to war. Did he see that there? Yeah. Um, but he wasn't in it. So yeah. I was just like, what is really happening here? I yeah. thought that was a cool um, little scene. Yeah, it was haunting. Yeah. For sure. Um, but yeah. I mean, I it doesn't feel like it ties into the themes of the rest of the movie because like, uh, the rest of this movie at least, because like that felt like a real attempting to criticize Militarism, like you guys sure, said, and, right. and like the 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 mental health effects on on soldiers, especially when they're so young. 
And then the rest of the movie is like this weird, like rich kids, student revolution at a university right. thing. It seems to be poking at Chalamet's privilege, but yeah. not in a way that's meaningful. Right. You know? Well, it can't because Wes Anderson is is the rich kid. <laughs> like he, sure. that's him. Like I, he, there's only so, and then he's like the weird part of it is the the bit about him sleeping with Francis McDormand. Right. Yeah. It feels like it needs it. If it, it feels like that is an attempt to get Francis McDormand in the middle of this thing to kind of mess stuff up. Like she's in she's introducing herself into this revolution in a way that is a issue for the rest of the people. Right. But couldn't they have done that without her uh Absolutely. having sex with uh, like having sex with her, I'm her sure friend's that son? That probably happens in the story that it's based on from the the New York Times expatriate. Maybe. That's probably why he adapted it cuz it's so out there. But you don't need to do that. Either way, you know what I mean? I feel like it, either way it's a choice and yeah. like if I, it happened in real life then he, he probably felt the need to slip that in there. Maybe. But either way, you could have made a commentary on how it's a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was. It just... seems to be an aesthetic that he just likes. Yeah. Like, uh, like Moonrise Kingdom. The the really young kid who's like six or something is is hanging out with that fourteen year old, mm. or is she twelve? Like I don't know. I don't know. She's much older than him. Yeah, and it's, it's been a, and it's, it's, been it's a like a cutesy thing. It. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a real uh, that's a real theme in cinema this year. Yeah, and it was like. <laughs> Like she was staring at like because I feel like the power dynamic of that was really weird too because she was staring at him in the bathtub yeah and then right. later right. you have a scene with the girl who's not probably a high schooler in real life I'm the, assuming I think they're they're supposed they're to be sure? sixteen yeah but Wait. no no uh, Chalamet's girlfriend yeah and then like oh, yeah, yeah. they show her, like her boobs or whatever which yeah. is like this Do is they? supposed to be a child oh, Swinton's boobs no no, no 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 the kid the daughter not the daughter. The other, remember. the other. Uh, I think she was French. Yeah. Yeah, like the French revolutionary girl that yeah. who I don't Timothy was in. She is thirty years old. Okay. Wow. Yeah. She is Algerian. Yeah. So like, I feel like, you know, obviously in real life, I found it was not going to be a thing. I found her somewhat annoying, but that's just me. Yeah. I, I like when Timothy Chalamet talked about putting his dick on her her lips, which is yeah. a, mm. a real line <laughs> in this film, where he's like, he says something like, "My genitals" or like, "My dick." Well, I think he said tool. Oh yes, he I'll never forget <laughs> putting my tool on your lips. It's, pretty cool. uh, it's uh, I like that. I laughed out loud. I don't know. Yeah. I have to assume it was a joke. Um, and then Timothy Chalamet I think gets a lot hit with of lightning. his comedy lands, uh, especially his sight gags and stuff. The sight gags mm. are always on point. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean the psych like Fantastic Mr. Fox is a giant psych gag. It's probably oh, that's why fantastic. I enjoy that movie so much. Uh, I don't know. I, I I I have I have someone in my life that said uh, the reason the Timothy Chalamet one annoyed them so much is because Timothy Chalamet is the only actor that feels like they know what a Wes Anderson movie is sure. and is attempting to be in yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, which is whereas with the others, he's Wes Anderson is kind of framing their yeah, performance. Fam- yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. This I don't one, know how I feel about that. This um, one, this one's weird. It's a weird one. Yeah, and I felt like it sort of dragged as well. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, dragged. Like for if sure. we're talking about it on like a technical level, whatever. Um, other than just like my personal issues with it, I just felt like it sort of dragged, and then it started off being one thing, and then the revol because it was just a, a revolution about kids wanting to have sex with each other. I think, right? Yeah. Wasn't it? That? I don't know anything about the real life uh, student revolts, honestly. So yeah. I couldn't. I couldn't really say. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I assume. I'm sure they were horny. I mean, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. people that's, are always. That's horny. the gas in, in uh, folks are horny. That's what happened mm. in the civil rights movement. Yeah. That's why. Uh, 
you know. <laughs> anyway, the third story, uh, the private dining room of the police commissioner, uh-huh. yeah. is the James Baldwin one. Yeah. Uh, you had a very strong opinion about this one, Charlie. Yeah, this was... Um, I This is probably my least favorite one mm-hmm. um, because it just felt so heady and like in like the worst way it was it was like the most i think self-indulgent because he was Mm -hmm. kind of just flexing on his writing prowess and whatever and how he could just like flow things and just make a bunch of like just really long weird dialogue and Mm -hmm. stuff yeah yeah but it it felt like the like the viewer wasn't like let in on it you know what i mean it felt like we were just like Oh wow, he's doing his thing. That's cool. Yeah, um, and it was kind of a little bit all over the place. Also, like um, Charlie's problematic corner. <laughs> uh, yeah, part three. I, part three. I feel like uh, they addressed his sexuality and his race as like a throwaway thing. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, think about that. Like, yeah. oh man, that was a hard time. And then they just kept going. The only other time race is really brought into that vignette is um, when the chef who poisoned themselves is is laying flat on uh, the bench and he talks about the fact that he's an immigrant and the James Mm -hmm. Baldwin insert uh, relates with him that they're both uh, immigrants. And that's the only time race is really part of the story. There's that bit where Baldwin is in jail for Mm -hmm. what I assume is, you know, uh, and and Bill Murray comes in and is like, I'll give you a job. Right. Uh, and then I, I guess I may be imposing this post watching the film. It felt to me like Baldwin couldn't get a job because he was black and gay. Mm. Uh, and, and Bill Murray gave him a chance, which is, you know, yeah. interesting and actually did happen. I would say it's white savior, but that's actually a thing that did happen yeah. in Baldwin's life. Right. Um, I don't know. It felt, it felt, it's interesting to see what we've never gotten a James Baldwin biopic. I'm sure it's coming in the next five years. Yeah. It was interesting to That's see. It's going to be hard. To, it's going to be tough. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be, uh, uh, they'll have to get someone Very that's not touchy. an actor. Uh, they'll yeah. have to get someone that looks more like him. But it was interesting to see someone do a version of him that wasn't a um, straightforward biopic that was kind of yeah, yeah. In, like playing with the form. Right. I kind of wish, I, I, it made me think about what a biopic of that guy would be like, not by Wes Anderson, obviously, but by someone that was a little bit looser, that mm-hmm. wasn't doing a, a down the middle version of his story. Right. Or just doing a movie about him in France or something. And it kind of made me want to see that movie rather than the movie we were watching. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It, I feel like to me, it almost felt like Wes Anderson kind of was using that story as like more of a like defense on his the critiques he's had. Oh of sure, like yeah, I can see that. No representation. <laughs> like I think we did like a black people count, and there was like six or something like that yeah, in this, in French Dispatch. Yeah, and one was wow. a cop. Yeah, <laughs> and zero women. So or zero. Well, else. black women don't exist, Charlie. No, they're not real. Yeah. They were invented in 1994. When when uh, Daughters of Dust came out. Oh right. Um, okay. No, it, it, it's very strange. It, it I we were talking about uh, last night in Soho and about how so much of that movie feels not so much of that movie, but there's a black character in that movie that feels like yeah. uh, it was a response to mm-hmm. criticism. The Steve McQueen thing. Uh, I, I I I I want. I did watch that by the it's way. It's So funny. It cuts to him when, when <laughs> Steve McQueen is saying that. Steve, have you seen this video? No. It's Steve McQueen's at a director's panel for at the end of the year or whatever. It, probably for 12 Years a Slave. And they're like, you know, uh, why didn't you think there's any more black people here? And Steve is, oh, no, Steve McQueen's like, uh, why don't 
you guys have any movies with black people? And it cuts to yeah. Edgar Wright. It's, it's, it's not there. even that Edgar Wright is sitting right next to him or, or that like it was pointed directly at him, but the they cut to him as though he's speaking directly. To him. It's really like damning. I, and, I, and, and I don't think Wes Anderson was there, but I'd like to think no, he, he was there. Uh, or watching it at home and was like, great. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think some white filmmakers maybe just, it's, hey, just don't try it. Well, it, it, it <laughs> makes sense to me that as far as New York Times expatriates go, James Baldwin is yeah. probably one the of the most famous one. The, mo- so, the most famous one. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it just makes sense to me that in an anthology that's based on those, uh, yeah. Piece, I don't know the word for it, those pieces mm-hmm. um, that you would choose a Baldwin piece. Right. You know, it would be kind of a crime not to. Yeah, I just, I just feel like they had that whole moment where he was like, hey guys, I'm black yeah, and yeah. I'm gay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then it was never addressed again or nothing like about it, which I don't think someone's like sexuality or like race has to be the center point of all of their stories. Right. Absolutely. But I feel like if you're making such a big point about it yeah. and you're like have a pause for applause moment yeah then, sure. you know it's kind of a weird thing it, does he say that when he's on the talk show yeah he like yeah. makes a he like makes a reference right right yeah uh my favorite part of this short is saoirse ronan i was very excited to see her mm-hmm. i was like hey she's there for two seconds that, you know hey. what though the the prettiest moment of the entire movie sorry the prettiest moment of the entire movie is when he's like can i can i see your eyes like what color are they and it's black and white mm-hmm. and she leans down into the little and, sliver and, yeah. that they give him food through yeah. And it turns into color, yeah. and like her eyes are in color. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's really pretty." Sir Sharon's really mm-hmm. great. She's like, uh, she's his, like a, his filmmaking is kind of breathtaking in its small moments. I, like yeah, that. he knows how to he knows how to frame her face specifically. There's that, sure. that great moment in, uh, in Grand, Grand Budapest, Budapest yeah. where this the, the it's like light on her. yeah, it's like a uh, light. yeah, it's like swirling around her yeah. head. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and, he has a crush on her. That would I'm not going to touch that one. Uh, <laughs> she's we'll like I don't know. She's like a she's like a grenade. Like I feel like you can throw her into a movie in a small role and she'll she'll blow up. And, and she's a it. really nice uh, voice. She does. She but does. we'll move on. Um, anyway, uh, and then Bill Murray kills over, and the yeah. uh, the, the French dispatch people group right, and you feel something. nothing because really he's don't really because uh, he's not a character. You, you yeah. think it was like because because I know sometimes like. When a friend of a friend dies or like, or like a friend's family member dies, you yeah. will show up to support, right. uh, even though maybe you never even met them or you only met them a couple times. But it felt like I was going to a friend's uh, funeral. No, sorry. Like to support a friend that was, <laughs> yeah. was grieving, you know? Yeah. And you like, like I didn't, I didn't really know yeah. the guy. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Just a friend's that's, that's the feeling it gave me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. Like I, I feel for you guys. Right. And it was kind of like strange because I'm like, there was a through line for all of this. Sure. You know what I mean? So it's kind of strange to me that it didn't feel more connected or that, you know, he, I didn't feel more sad when yeah. he, he's in like three scenes, you know? And like, we obviously knew at the beginning that he had died. Yeah. You know, yeah. But this like, is the last issue. Right. I like that. Um, another psych gag I liked, uh, is, is when they say they give, they gave him an editor's funeral <laughs> and it shows him, uh, like in a very concentrated little graveyard patch and it, and it, it zips out and it's like a wasteland around yeah. that area. There's nothing around that Just area. Just drop you know? it in. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, I feel a similar thing. Like the only reason I cared is because it's Bill Murray. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, that's Bill Murray. Yeah. Oh, it's so sad. Yeah. Um, he weaponizes that. He uses these actors. <laughs> he uses these actors that he knows we like going in and, yeah. and find charismatic and enjoyable. Which is like the job, part of the job you of the director. You have to really develop them. Mm-hmm. You know. Because you know that the audience likes them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I don't know. It, it, it 
I guess my my last thought on on the film is that the film is built around the fact that Bill Murray is dying, is dead. Right. I just I just don't care. Yeah, I don't about care. his death. <laughs> it's sad, it's sad when people die. I mean, yeah. no, I just don't death care. is tragic. I don't right. care. I, by the end, I just was like, I don't, I don't, I don't know these people. Yeah, right. they're not characters. They were narrators. Right. I felt like I knew them a little, but it's like I just met you guys today. You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> and then you, and then, <laughs> I just met you. Guys, that's, that's like cool. that's like if you, you know? Dan. That's like if you went to like a job fair. I don't know. And then the head of the job fair died at it's the end like of the I day. Knew them well. And you were like, oh, wow, that's tough for you guys. Yeah. yeah. I, it was kind of weird, too, because like they spent so much time at the beginning introducing all of these yeah, characters, yeah. Yeah. none of which who were like involved in anything at all. Like Elizabeth Moss? Yeah, I don't know why we spent Oh, so she much was just time. a secretary? Yeah. yeah. She had yeah. like three scenes, maybe? The same amount of Bill Murray. Exactly. <laughs> Screen time. Yeah. And Bill Murray ends every uh, one with, he's like, take that out. And then yeah. the person's like, but this is special. <laughs> Make it sound like you meant it to sound that way or, yeah. or whatever his catchphrase was. Yeah. He has a lot of good sound gags. Which, was, which gags. is good advice. Mm-hmm. He has really good sight gags. Where Bill like, Murray? Yeah, like where, where he's like, no crying in my office. Oh, yeah, points yeah, yeah, up yeah, yeah, yeah. And he yeah. <laughs> really good. Okay, okay. Really quick notes on sight gags, actually, um, just because I forgot to put these in earlier. Um that psych gag at the beginning where it's like the butler coming up the stairs or whatever yes. and he had to go through such a like convoluted process. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was great. Very I good. I like that a lot. That it was, was very great. funny. And then I absolutely knew that Timothy Chalamet was going to get electrocuted to death. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because Wes Anderson loves to electrocute people to death. Yeah, yeah. He's like obsessed with it. And yeah. it was just Doesn't like, it happen oh. to Bruce Willis in Moonrise Kingdom? Yeah, it, it, it happens, it happens in friend, to the kid in Moonrise Kingdom, dude. Okay. It happens to Fantastic in Fantastic Fox too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The execution's fun. you can make them. No, it yeah, does. They do a little. Stuff. He does a little like shimmy, like ch- 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 yeah, ch- yeah, when yeah. the person gets electrocuted. Yeah, you just love to see the bones and the black silhouette. Oh, one of the reasons, Charlie, you're on this is because you're you're an animation guy. It's one of the things that you're very interested in. And this movie has roughly 10 seconds of animation. <laughs> I don't know if that you... That whole was... segment was... I was surprised by that. Yeah, yeah. I felt like it was okay. For what it was, I mean, I don't have any problems. Yeah, I, I think, like, it was... It made a choice that was cool. Like, yeah. it, you know, chose to, like, emulate that, like, you know... Whatever I think it was, it's a New Yorker style. He, he right? wouldn't like, have been able to. I think so. He yeah. wouldn't have been able to get that comedic tone with like um, the leotard, like wrestler yeah. jumping on the car and stuff. And live action, that would not have. Worked. No, that, that was, was the so best funny. part of it. Honestly, yeah. that was me. so funny. Yeah, so I felt like yeah. for the most part, it was really good. Like I wasn't in love with the style for all of it, mm-hmm. but it was a choice that made sense. And then yeah. with all of like the gags in that se- mm. section, um, it was great. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I felt pretty good about it. I think at that point, though, I was just so exhausted mm-hmm. yeah. um, that I didn't get to, like, fully enjoy it. His movies do take a lot out of you. Yeah, they they, do. they, they, they certainly they, do. They, I mean, have you guys seen Rushmore? Yes. Rushmore is, like, exhausting. Yes. Like, yeah. it's Rushmore is kind of almost, like, a chore to sit through. I mean, I mean, it's it's nice and endearing in the mm-hmm. way this stuff is, but it's... Yeah. So like so much is happening in every single fucking shot and right. every second of that movie. It's like, oh my god, dude! Like, so, yeah. I need to like take a break. <sighs> well, <laughs> I feel like I just rewatched the French Dispatch. Yeah. Um, well, let's, let's, let's 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 do some meme it. ratings. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm actually trying to think of a uh, of a joke that isn't off color with this. Hmm. So Dan, go ahead, so I don't get what? canceled. Come on, man. 
What am I gonna do? I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a, a calm like two and a half um, restraining orders with Francis McDormand's name on it out of five. Hmm. I thought you were gonna say out of ten. That's that's what I, I thought yeah. you like hated hated it. No, I just but. I just wasn't like blown away by it. It's a three dodgy age play fetishism snippets out of six. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I would okay. say that it's like three electrocuted Wes Anderson characters out of five. Awesome. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. It's like a little bit better than mm. average, but yeah. like yeah. Mm, not that much. <laughs> anyway. Um, Thank you very much, Charlie, for coming on yeah, this show. Thank no you for problem. talking to us about stupid, oh, yeah. uh, mostly stupid Spider-Man news, but also kind <laughs> of this. Uh, we hope to have you soon. Uh, do you uh, do you have anything that's, that you're doing right now that you want to plug? Any social media? Anything at we all? We need to start asking our guests that question more often. I didn't ask uh, Ani what he wanted to plug retroactively. Yeah, yeah. But is there is there anything you want to plug? Any social media? Anything at all? Um, I don't have anything major coming out right now. You are an artist. I, I was going to say you make music. You like, make music. Will you fucking create already. God. <laughs> I was just going to say you can check out my Spotify page. Nice. It's Charlie the Nomad or Apple Music, whatever you got yeah i'm charlie the nomad i i have work i'm pretty proud of so uh go check that out charlie's a very good musical artist thank he's, you he's, he's very much thank you i know what i'm listening to on the train it's good there. it's good stuff thank you so much charlie and no when problem. we come back we'll be talking about uh possibly the most depressing movie ever made i look ah, uh, come on it's not depressing <laughs> it's it's, it's tons of fun uh knocked all right I'm not going to do it. Um, <laughs> welcome back, guys. If only we could commit to the fucking bit. If only if only one of us could do a French accent. Um, I could if I really put my put my best foot forward and really applied myself. You know, um, I believe you. Uh, we are going to be talking about the 2016 movie Nocturama, directed by, and I'm going to completely butcher this name, Bertrand Bonello. I think it's pronounced Bastran, but uh, you know what? It's totally cool. Uh, and it is uh, shot by Leo Hinson uh, and it stars Finnegan Oldfield, Laurie Valentine. You know, I'm not even going to do it. French names. It's a lot of French. It's, it's very it's, hard. It's, 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 uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, what, what is this movie about, Dan? They can Dan? look that up in their free What's time. What's this movie about, Dan? Uh, this is about. Some silly little French terrorists who just, they've had enough. I mean, mm. the government's crazy, and, and life is just just crazy. So I, I don't actually know anything about the politics of what was happening at Me the either. time. All I know is they're sick of it. You know what the... They're, up to, they're fucking up to here, all right? You know what the uh, three most influential movies to this is? You want to guess? La Haine. No. La Haine. No. no. It should be, but no. It's, give, it's, give one of them second. is going to blow your wig back, right, though. just tell me. Because I'm not going to sit around here. And Alan dance. Clark's Elephant, huh? Which is the Columbine the, movie? No, that's the that movie. Oh, that's is, Gus Van Sant. Yeah, but it's it. What's they're, Alan they're related Clark's? Movies. It's a movie that Gus Van Sant is essentially remaking that, but in Columbine. Huh. Um. So it's that movie. John Carpenter's Assault on Precinct Thirteen. That's fucking weird. And the that's, last that's one, really cool. This though. one's going to be. This one is believable, but it's wild. Uh, Dawn of the Dead by George. Yeah, Eber, no, right? I, I do. It's I do it's it, it really has its fingers. I was Dawn thinking of, of Dawn of the Dead the whole time. It's it's very much Dawn. I, of the I Dead. think the first time you brought this up because because you've talked about this movie a couple times. Yeah, I think I the really first time it. you brought it up was when I was for whatever reason talking about Dawn of the Dead because I'm a big fan of that. Because it's a great uh, film. It's my favorite from Romero actually. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so, so I mean, these terrorists, they rig a couple bombs in what looks like a Capitol building, uh, a few, like, random cars in mean, the street. A municipal building, it looks like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a statue and, like, one other, like, Joan of like Arc big statue. skyscraper. Yeah. Huh? A Joan of Arc statue. They set it yeah, on fire. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and so then they go and hole up in a uh, shopping mall yeah. that they snuck into it's, while it was closing. It's one of the great, hopefully one day we'll do an episode, like a, maybe a top five or whatever, but like a, uh, it's one of the great um, two halves movies. Yeah. So like Waves is a two halves movie where it's like the first half is is very different from the second the half. Waves and stuff. Uh, <laughs> waves and stuff. But this one, the first half is like essentially a silent film yeah. that is all about form. It's like a formalistic the, the, exercise. That first half is what confused me. Dude. As to why absolutely. this is so high on your Dude. list. So, so. Because so, listen, it, it seemed like something I would be yeah. like pretentious about, like I, recommend to people because I love slow stuff. Dude, literally, do I was watching it. I was watching it and I was thinking, I was like, is this how Dan feels when he brings in I movies? thought you saw this like years and years ago. No, I saw this last year during the quarantine in a okay. film history class. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was watching it at like 11 at night. And the first half is so weird, mm-hmm. but it has like a little has a little charge at the on the back of it, yeah. where it's like they're moving. There's like graphic violence yeah. that you would not expect, and and how like kind of low budget and yeah. slow. It feels. It's kind of it's kind of it's moving at a at a pace that's like quietly propulsive. Yeah. Everyone's Those CGI moving. explosions are really, ex- uh, dude. I mean, surprising too. That's surprising. Like not what you expect and really upsetting. I'm yeah. sure it's super upsetting if you if you. Or in, from France. I, I wasn't even expecting to see SWAT uh, people. Dude. I, I thought entirely that like it would be this like off camera. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, we're getting into spoilers. No, now, no, no, but but but, but no, but uh, I mean, stop we can, now. We can yeah, get into spoilers. You it, seriously? We like in it. all seriousness, if you, if you haven't seen Nocturne, I would really give it a yeah, shot uh, because right. it's the less you know about Nocturne, the better. Yeah. But um, so the first half is like kind of like a formalistic exercise. I thought it would be a horror movie. Going into this with the name, yeah, like I thought it would be. Horrible. I mean, yeah, it's it, it, it's 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 kind of like the way I pitch it to people, which is probably this is a terrible pitch because it's really not what it is, but it's it's good enough to get people involved yeah, yeah. in it. It's kind of like if George Romero made a John Hughes movie, or like if George Romero made, uh, yeah, that's good. But like if George Romero made like Mall Rats or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, it, which it, I guess Dawn of the Dead already is that, you know, but, but still. it's it don't like I feel like. When I first watched this movie, I was I was kind of like, like what's going on? But also kind of interested in like it getting to the point. Yeah, yeah. And then they get to the which mall. is what's great about slow burn, shit. dude. I mean, the whole time you're yeah. like, okay, this is going somewhere. Yeah. And I know Where it's is going it going? Somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And it's slowly the, the 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 it's like one hour of just them setting the bombs, and then you get like little breaks in the tension of the night before of them yes. planning, and you're kind of like. What is this they're doing? Mm-hmm. Is it a heist? Why are there so many kids here? Yeah. Why is this just one adult, their chaperone? I thought they were just trying to, because to, I couldn't really tell the city streets apart. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not familiar with Paris, obviously. Well, excuse I, me. Yeah, no. I mean, Chocolate shocking, blue. Shocking, shocking. Uh, I thought they were just going to take down like one skyscraper. I thought yeah. that's what they were going to do. Yeah. Take down the big building. Rather than a coordinated attack. Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I mean, and then, it's interesting because you don't quite know that they're setting bombs until the last possible minute. Mm-hmm. Um, like when they pull, it's hard to even tell that they're in different locations. Yeah, because yeah, it's it's shot. It's actually shot very much like Van Sant's Elephant, yeah. where like 
it's the geography of the spaces are intentionally being obscured for you. Long, silent uh, over takes someone's where shoulder, just walking. Yeah, mm-hmm. following them down the hallway. Uh, how do you feel yeah. about Van Sant's Elephant? Do you like it? I love that movie. I, I love mean, it as well. It, it, it's hard to love a movie about a school shooting, but as far as movies about school shootings, it's artfully crafted. I think it's yeah. got a really great, deliberate, slow pacing. Yeah. Um, keep in mind, I haven't seen it in years, but I, I, watched, I remember it was vividly, a quarantine movie for me. Yeah, I, I remember vividly long stretches of that movie. You can find I, the full I, thing on YouTube. Yeah, the the thing about like the Columbine killers like being gay, like that yeah. little like tossed in thing about them being like gay lovers was that's that's what that's what unites it with the rest of Van Sant's uh, oeuvre. But but mm-hmm. yeah, I the reason I bring up Elephant is because it does feel so similar to this movie, um, at least in the first half, in that it's about it's about children committing violence, yes. right? Yeah, but it's it's really interesting, like just regular mundane shit, mm-hmm. like. The camera refuses in both Elephant and in Nocturama to ever like cut forward. Like yeah. someone says, "Hey, come over here," and the camera doesn't go well, jump forward. Th- th- these movies both kind of capture the like randomness of like a, a choreographed terrorist attack mm-hmm. uh, and you know a school shooting. I mean, I mean obviously yeah. we know when you go into a movie, you you know what the basic plot is going to be. I didn't in this case. I just went into this blind. But yeah. most people look up, you know, what it's about. So in Elephant, you're expecting a school shooting to happen. In this, I'm sure you're expecting terrorism at some point. Yeah. But they're very deliberate and slow, and these feel like real people, so yeah. that when the violence does happen, it's it's random, and, and it yeah. feels like shocking and, and kind of like something you shouldn't be seeing. Yeah. Like, the last act of this is mm. like, holy shit. I mean, th- there's that one shot. Yeah. It's the four-panel uh, security camera display. Oh, and my God. And you're seeing in one corner SWAT people coming up the stairs yeah. and, and making shots, and then on the top left corner, another yeah. camera display, someone falling over. It's like that feels it's, very – that it feels like violence that – I don't, I don't know. And it's, how, how would you describe it? 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 It's, it's almost like um, – it's almost clinical. Yeah. Like yeah, it, yeah. It, like my, my film professor who, who uh, showed this to us. Uh, it's his, sterile and cold violence. It, it's very sterile, which makes it disturbing. Yeah. Um, my, my film professor who showed this to us, uh, Fabio, uh, is getting a PhD in film actually. Nice. Um, the, the way he was describing it, it was almost like the film is, is, is showing you violence that feels like something you could watch on the news. Yeah. So it's disturbing. And the fact that they are kids mm-hmm. and they're like playing fucking like Willow Smith. And, and they and they fall <laughs> yeah. like real people who yeah. have been shot. They just it's, fall back. It's not yeah. yeah, it's not like a movie where we're like a well, it, it obviously it's a movie, but yeah. it's not like, you know, a spaghetti western yeah. or like how terrible. Where the squib will blob. Yeah. Squib and like a big like sound effect mm-hmm. and it sprays everywhere mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they do a, you know, and they fly back and stuff. Yeah. Um they go down. I they mean, go straight down it, when they get shot. It's 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 so disturbing because it's like that. The, when I realized what, what they were doing with it, when, there's a moment where you realize, oh, they're all going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a matter of... It's just a matter of picking them off. And, and, and the film is so good at casting faces because yeah. the, the kids have to... The kids are good actors, most of them. I think so. But, but their faces are great. Yeah. And there's a couple faces that are just... You can tell them apart for sure. You can tell them apart that the black kid is great. Yeah. Um, his, the girl he has a crush on is great. The, the one who stole the show for me was... Um, that I, I love the character study elements in this. The one who stole the show for me was that kid who knows like he probably will die, so mm-hmm. he decides to spend the last night of his life exploring his gender identity. Oh yeah, and you know 
and sitting in the tub sitting in the tub and, and trying on makeup and wigs and, yeah. and lip syncing for all of their friends that that was pretty compelling to me because i guess like He's if i was about to stellar. die it's yeah. like maybe i'll be a chick for the last night of my life. or like maybe i'll explore this part of myself yeah no i mean i think it's so interesting to me because you don't I, I have to believe that some of the kids know they're going to die. Yeah. And some of the kids are kind of... That's This feels so nihilistic. It, because it, you know it's coming. That's the yeah. worst part. And, and, the, and the thing about it is it actually feels similar to Lahaine, which is... Yeah. I, I feel like they're they're like sister movies. But like sure. in the way that the darkness of the ending doesn't necessarily subsume the movie. Mm-hmm. Like it, you're, the whole movie, you're not like, God damn, these kids are going to die. The, the movie is clinical, but it yeah. starts to have a little bit of fun yeah. at, at some point. Yeah. But, but, but the and Lahaine, on the other hand, is like super bad yeah, until, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. until it's not. And, and yeah. you know in the movie's back pocket that like they're going to... They're going to die. Something very dark is, is going to tail end I mean, the story. It's so dark. The moment, I think the darkest moment in the movie is when they're like watching the buildings blow up mm-hmm. to whip my hair. And they yeah, and it yeah. just pans over their faces, and they and it and it clocks to them that oh th- we did this thing, yeah. and we're gonna die. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And then it, it, in the middle of the night, they wake up and like they've found out that they're at the mall. I I wondered if it was part of a motif or like what the meaning was that they're talking. They they kind of they're enjoying you know with my hair back and forth, obviously yeah. by Will Smith. And then at one point, the the one character says she was ten when she recorded this. Yeah. Um, it, Can you imagine doing something, something like that at ten years old? Or says, like, that? like it's kind of like like disgusting or something. Yeah, you know, what, what, it, what was that commentary? There? I, I I I there seems to be. I, this is my third time watching the movie in like a year. The uh, kids have to kind of like grow up too it, fast, it, it, almost. Yeah, That's like it feels like it feels like it feels like the movie is interested in like their childhood like it's invested in them being kids like they make stupid mistakes like kids they're not like killers so as soon as yeah. the as soon as the adult uh as soon as the adult is killed or apprehended or whatever happens to him they fall apart and yeah. i think they start playing loud music which is mm-hmm. a dumb idea if you're trying to hide them all yeah. and and i think the will smith thing is like will smith is 10 years old just like the rest of these kids like when she recorded this and like also, the song is a bop, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah. And they would be listening to Whip My Hair. Speaking you know I mean? of that um, adult character, his name was like Greg or something? Yeah. So yeah, I'm sure it was a French. Gregory. Know, yeah, <laughs> or something. But I think it is one of the most haunting scenes I've seen in the movie in recent memory. I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, one of the scariest things I can think of in any movie ever made, honestly, where he shows up and you don't know that he's like a phantom. Oh, and he's dead. Like a yeah. Figment of the kid's imagination. Yeah. And he's talking to him. And when he gets to talking about committing suicide, when he gets to yeah. talking about shooting himself. He's like, I blew my brains he, out. He repeats over and over, wouldn't you do the same? Yeah. Wouldn't you do the same? And it's just a still static shot of, of the kid like looking straight into the camera. Yeah. And he kind of trails off. That kid's so good. That shit is so scary. I had yeah. to rewind it. I was like, holy fuck, that was and scary. It's a it gave me like chills. It's, yeah, it, yeah, it was a mannequin. There's some deeply upsetting yeah, bits yeah. in this movie, especially with that kid just stumbling around the back I end. Took notes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, did you? Oh, wow. A couple notes. I feel very honored. Um, but uh, that kid is so good when he's stumbling around in the dark and he's I trying to get back in. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's a deeply upsetting moment mm-hmm. because they're like, it's like that that guy was holding them together, fam, and then yeah. he doesn't show up. Like, where'd he go? It, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah. I noticed like part of the way through that like 
this is one of those movies where I can't imagine there having been a crew, you know? It's yeah. hard to imagine there being like a crew of people behind this camera. It feels so personal that it just feels like it's you and them yeah. in the shopping line. And there's no like real elaborate light setups. I mean, not. aside from the diegetic stuff that we see yeah. in the mall with like TV lights and, you know, flickers of overheads. And, and the and score like is pretty diegetic. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, you're absolutely correct. Bones. And then it does these cool editing things where it almost feels like it feels like it's intentionally dry. And I don't mean dry yeah. in a bad yeah. way. But like no, I mean dry is good, yeah, slow is good. Yeah, like, it's I like, like it's like stuff. it's like there are moments where they, the camera will do a repeat. Yeah. Like you'll see someone get shot, and then they'll turn the camera around and yes. repeat the a moment again. Times, yeah, and it, it it doesn't feel like a crew. It feels like we were watching security yeah. footage yeah, yeah. of these kids getting killed. Especially That's a wonderful quality to have. I yeah. think I think it's cool when, when it doesn't feel like something is because I have a love hate relationship with polish. You know, yeah. when when something is polished, that can it's like. Okay, they're impressing us with, you know, the mastery of lenses yeah. and cinematography and lighting and stuff. That's yeah. nice. You know, you're trying to impress me. But with this, it felt kind of like kitchen sink realism. Yeah. I mean, I also wanted to talk about some of these shot compositions. Yeah. They really impressed me. I mean, there's a few, like, wide shots just where... Just take um, the mic in your hands. Yeah, I'll just do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go, here we go. Where there would be, like, a stairwell to the left of the frame mm -hmm. and then, like, a wide open area to the right and, like, a little divider. Mm -hmm. And the, the character would go around the divider. And while we're watching them go down <laughs> the stairwell, another, like, important thing would enter into mm -hmm. uh, yep. the right of the frame and mm -hmm. something would play out over there. Yeah. And he's, he's getting a lot of use out of these, like, Static. really elaborate yeah. master shots yeah. that any other filmmaker would take, like, four or five shots to convey. It's very you know? true. It's very smooth. And it's economic. Yeah, uh, using mirrors and stuff. The mirror mirrors stuff is great. The mirror stuff is yeah. great. Especially all the moments where the kids first enter the mall and they, like, look at mannequins. And yeah. the mannequins have their clothes on. Um, no, I thought that was great. And I also think there are... Despite it feeling kind of clinical in a good way, it also feels like the, these kids are having fun making this movie. I agree. Like yeah. it, it feels like a kids in the mall movie. It does. You know what I mean? it so it's, it's does. so 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 you're watching it, and it's probably why Lahine is so much fun is because those kids are having fun yeah. making that movie. Is like you know, there's some a, of my favorite movies. Some of my my top ten movies ever made are kids making a movie. Dude, I mean that shit is so endearing to dude, me. Dude, it's it, and you can feel the energy off yeah. of it. Like it's like these kids were having fun doing night shoots. Yeah. yeah. Just trying on stupid clothes. This, I mean, way to strike gold, like With having a, this closed-off mall that dude, you can shoot in dude. every night. I mean, you can make any movie in in a big closed-off industrial location like dude, that. Dude, it's 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 like I was watching. I was like, damn. I was like, I, I could watch yeah. a million movies occurring yeah, in this mall. I agree. And it and it's it. There's moments where the kids are just goofing around, and having fun. And Riding the little go karts. And yeah, stuff. and there's and there's like and then the the portrait from a lady on fire woman does a little heat check cameo. I thought I recognized her. Yeah, that's what she's. The, from. the movie yeah. the movie is full of little like like cameos that are yeah. like with I assume like people that are like real actors like French actors, mm -hmm. and they're just kind of there and then they're gone and it's it's real it's a really interesting way to make a movie because the movie's about the kids yeah you know i mean well it, i mean that emptiness even it, obviously thematically everything needs to be empty because yeah. of what they've the crime they've committed but yeah. when they even leave the mall it feels mm -hmm. the, the world itself feels very cold and and empty like mm -hmm. i mean it it feels like this movie has a world mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. that's that's very uh uninviting mm -hmm. um so, and I'm into that. So I, I, I have a question for you, and this is the, this is kind of the thing that people either get on board with, or they're not on board with the movie. Uh, and it's, do you need to know 
for the enjoyment of the movie for yourself, do you need to know why they did the crime? Uh, because that was a lot of the the reviews is like, I need to know what it is. I think it's kind of universal to be young and disaffected, revolutionary, disinfected, and and wanting to uh, create some kind of change that um. A, it's a, like a the Chalamet character. Is, it's what the Chalamet character is trying to do in Dispatch. Well, well top to yeah. bottom, like violent revolutionary change. You yeah, know, get your message across. I mean, yeah. we we've in real life tons of disaffected youths have Do done that. crimes exactly like this. So, yeah. I mean, they're really just kind of an, an insert for that type of, of person. And, I, I, and it works for me. It works for me, too. I I know a lot, of, and I and I get the argument that, like, if it, there's if there's no crime, if there's no, if we don't know the reason for the crime, or there's not a political thing other than the obvious political of blowing up municipal buildings yeah. and burning Joan of Arc, who was 19, at the age mm. of these kids. Uh if there's no backing behind that, then the movie feels like a black hole. Maybe if I knew more about Francis, politics, it's possible. But, but even so, it's like, possible. But also, this I, is pretty universal. A lot of the reviewers who probably did know were kind of like, "There's not really the movie doesn't really other, unless you knew, I guess, where France was at that moment, and even then, the movie doesn't isn't really about the reasoning." Yeah, um, and I'm okay with that because I, I can insert. That's exactly what I can it is. Uh, yeah. it's, it's a matter of I, inserting. I can most of the half that of these the the reason for the crime is a blank slate. Yeah, I mean half of purposeful. these half of these kids are non-white. Yeah, uh, and they're in France, and I'm and I'm like, oh, in America, there's teenagers who are mm. getting shot with pellet guns. Yeah, uh, who are, look like these kids, and I'm sure their government would say that they're criminals. It's a similar thing, you know what I mean? Well, like, kind of makes it a timeless story. Doesn't yeah, it? I, mean, I mean, we could return to this in, in twenty years, and and, and you, you would know, insert, and you would insert something. whatever political. Yeah, it would still seem topical. Well, it's 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 all, not to keep going back to Elephant and Lahine, but they feel like the the closest things to this. Yeah. Like both of those movies, Elephant. Oh yeah, exa- it's the exact same thing. It's you like school shootings will you know, in this the history of America. They yeah. will always you know Elef- be prevalent. Elephant is about quote unquote Columbine yeah. and. And Lahaina is quote unquote about the the, the uprisings in the nineties, yes. but not really. Like they, the, those are those are just the framing devices for a story that you, you we're gonna we're still gonna be talking about in fifty years. And when history repeats itself, these movies will be at the forefront of every cinephile's mind. I mean, yeah. I mean, be, be, how I see elephants in Lahaina uh, mentioned every time there's some kind of mass shooting or yeah. political uprising. Yeah. I mean, we we keep coming back to these things yeah. because. Great cinema kind of deals with recursive do the human right elements. Yeah. Do the right. yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, in forty years, are we going to remember the context? Do the right thing was made in, or are we right. going to go, oh, that happened again? Exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, I remember seeing a comment uh, one time, like on YouTube or somewhere, that uh, th- this one person watches Bowling for Columbine every time there's a oh school God. shooting. <laughs> which, like, that sounds dark. They, no, I mean, you would be watching that movie every like two days or whatever. Yeah. But, but I mean, it kind of is a testament to a piece of art having a, a built-in uh, recursive meaning. Yeah. You know? you, like like that every year you would feel the need to revisit something. To come back to it. You've been reminded by it. Yeah. It, it. I mean, and it's, and it's, I think it's a testament to, I mean, we're always talking about the fact that movies in a lot of ways are becoming disposable on this podcast, which sounds like old sure. men shaking their hands at the clouds. Well, I mean, a lot of art just doesn't really ask you to, uh, apply it to the world that we're. I mean, if, That's you, true. if you can even call like um, a lot of like blockbuster filmmaking these days are. And, mean, and, and 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 the issue is that blockbusters can do it. 
like it that's the major issue with yeah. it is that like there, you can kind of argue that Winter Soldier is about the Patriot Act. You could, you could that's, say that's you could the movie s- itself being very lucky. You I could think. say, I mean, the one that I think you could draw the most direct parallel to is Thor Ragnarok is about the legacy of colonialism, right? Okay, but like so is uh, all of um, oh god, I'm forgetting this. Uh, she wrote, she directed La Cienega, Lucretia Martel. Okay, Lucretia Martel's movies are about. Uh, colonialism too, and they're Agnes much farthest. Yeah, and they're and, and they're um, much more. Who's that lady we both like? <laughs> What's her name? The French uh, Claire lady? Denis. Claire Denis. All, yeah, and yeah. Honestly, like Claire, De, like High Life is about colonialism, yeah, man. Like, is. like, and it's so it's white material and white material, and and those movies are. I'm not saying that every movie you make. I, I mean, everything is political, but I'm not saying every movie you make has to be coming down on a political yeah. thing, but. Those movies have. Most mainstream cinema seems a little uh, afraid of alienating an audience by by dealing with yeah. you know disaffected youths and, and terrorism and, 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 and acts it's, of violence. Exactly, young people exactly always have growing in their minds. And and the and the idea that like it, just going back to this movie, I guess is, is like the reason why this movie is so upsetting to me. And I keep saying it, but it's the truth. So they're kids. They're yeah. 18. 19, the oldest one is 19. The black kid's like, what, 14? They probably never thought they would get this far in dude, the plan. You dude. Know? Sometimes you shoot the shit with your friends, and it's like <laughs> once you finally start to like break the law in a, in a few places, it's yeah. like, damn, we're really doing this. We're doing this know? now. And I mean, I, I, I'm sure I'm sure you have, Dan. Um, but <laughs> but I know as a teenager, like I got, I got uh, yeah. like tickets, almost got arrested a couple times. Like, I mean, like. And when you get into those situations, you don't enter the situation being like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get arrested today." Here you go. Yeah. I'm you just want to do- be badass with yeah, your friends. Yeah, and I think we're gonna go vandalize this fucking building. Yeah, in the woods that we and, found. and there's and they're just and they're stupid kids who are, are very passionate and disaffected about their their society because probably their society failed them. Yeah, or their their the individual things in their world failed them. I like to think that this yeah. isn't directly a parallel to whatever was happening politically yeah. in, in, in France. I, I like to think that it is like an audience insert. I like no to matter so what too. nation you're from, you, yeah. your government is probably fucking over your generation. I mean, it's happening here. It's Dude, probably but, happening there, I'm sure. But it's 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 also like, it. I think the only thing that, the thing that I kept seeing in reviews was because it came out in 2016 and it hit America right after the Trump election, I think. Yeah. Which everything which became a good time. For yeah. It and everything became about Trump. But also yeah. the idea that fascism is on the rise in mm-hmm. the West. Right. You could insert that into this film. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, most, no, it's a great blank slate. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a template really for, you know? for anything you want to, I mean, project onto yeah. it. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think the film is really good. I think, uh, you know, I think it's it's a film that, uh, you know, it it's not for everybody. Obviously, no, no film is for everyone. No good film is for everybody. Right. Um, Great art is very divisive. And it should be. And a lot of people are going to watch this movie and be like, ugh. But yeah. but I saw this movie last year when I was holed up in my house, yeah. and I just became like obsessed with it. Like yeah, I was like, yeah. I I don't know how this movie works. It's so exciting. It's like it's really sad. It's really I, fun. I find that slow character study stuff like this, where where a lot of it is you're projecting things onto the yeah. central characters, they work especially well when you're at a, a place in your life, you know, like COVID, yeah. where you have a lot going on and and you can kind of just project things mm-hmm. onto people because because a lot of my projection watching this was definitely not what the filmmakers intended. Yeah. But I was projecting a lot of things onto these characters that you know went unspoken but yeah. made them very compelling to me. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm just thinking about my. I know you also did this, what? but but I just watched every movie in existence during the quarantine, and like the movies I kept returning to were like these dead kid movies. Like I yeah. watched Battle Royale a bunch. Yeah, yeah. I watched Akira a bunch. Did you ever see um, Super Dark Times? No. That was a quarantine favorite. Interesting. Kids killing each other and covering Super up the murder. Super Dark yeah. Times. Did you have a Did you have a quarantine movie that you were like? Did they have a quarantine fave? Yeah. I don't know. Honestly, I watched a lot of shit. I, I watched a lot of schlock. I think. Maybe uh, schlock. I, I, I watched a lot of horror. I watched, yeah. I remember I, was, I watched Akira and Battle Royale a lot. Like I was like. What did I even These watch? two movies are great. Super dark times. Looks <laughs> this looks so this looks heavy metal. This looks great. Does it? Oh, you're pulling it out. This looks yeah. really good. It's a cool movie. Um, I don't honestly even know. Interesting. <laughs> we'll, we'll insert it Is it into, interesting we'll, that I don't have an answer? No, we'll insert it into the uh, thing when you remember. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dub it over. You want that was it. Yeah, you have anything shit. else to say? Uh, or else we can rate it. I. This is um, everything. Uh, it should have been. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Something like this is hard for me to even really critique. I mean, yeah. it's it's art, and it speaks to everyone differently. It's because for that, and it's because we're in the pocket of it. I'm sure yeah, if, if yeah. Zach and Justin were here, they would no, have they, very they would interesting. I think I think they might hate it, but it's okay. You guys aren't on the podcast. Yeah, you're watching so Hawkeye should. right now. We yeah no. So um, this is uh, just for the patricians to. <laughs> this is going to be another medium org immortal for me. I think. Oh word. Yeah. You know what? I'll fucking go there with you. I'll do an immortal with you. Uh, I, I, you know why it's an immortal for me? It's a really good film, but also, you can't like remake this movie. No, it'd be really hard. I mean, it's it's hard already to to inject a ton of money into something that seems like it's a passion project yeah. amongst students, and yeah. independent filmmakers. Yeah, it just doesn't have the same vibe. You can't you 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 can't do it again. Like yeah. it, it it would be a reanimated if I'm like if I could think like oh maybe you could do this in America and there and I have had ideas like maybe you could do this in America, but then I think I'm like but then you're adding stuff onto a does, film that's does that athletic. Detract from the movie that it could be because I I agree that like the story itself is kind of universal. You know. Just does it distract that it could be remade? Yeah, it no. Be, yeah. no, no, no. I, and I think it, it, it theoretically could be remade. I mean, it would be interesting. But I think what makes it immortal for me is that it's such an athletic and limber film. This is a rawness to it. Yeah, that you can just inject into whatever I context. Agree. So it's an immortal for me as well. Um, so uh, because we are missing uh, two hosts, this mm. is going to be another media morgue uh, tens across the board. The <laughs> other two movies yeah. we gave this to is Black Dynamite and mm. Lahane. Oh so, my god! Two French movies. Black. Di- oh, you're, okay, okay. Black you're Dynamite saying, is French. Yeah. Uh, no, but uh, thank you guys for listening. That was a good one, man. That was a good one. Uh, I like this movie a lot. If you uh, if you guys are interested uh, in listening to us talk uh, with two additional men on it, yes. please go through our backlog. Please uh, add us on Instagram if at you like the movies, or If you hate movies, I mean, if you want some, if you, hate movies. if you think Citizen Kane is mid, please go to our merch store and buy that T-shirt. Um, I'm not wearing one right now, but you would know that because it's a podcast. Well, the, yeah, well, I'm I'm wearing one. Interesting, interesting. I'm, I'm wearing two on top of one. Of <laughs> it's been real. It's been real. See ya. Stop watching movies.